For a variety of reasons, we will explore one member becomes the target of accusations, blame, criticism, and ostracism. While it's happening, family members are totally unaware of what they are doing and would deny it if confronted with the behavior. Often, scapegoating begins in childhood and continues into and throughout adulthood. Okay, now there are several uh, points here that I do agree with. What I do not agree with is that some family members do not know what they're doing. This is the sentence that I disagree with. While it's happening, family members are totally unaware of what they are doing and would deny it if confronted with their behavior. Okay, now the latter part of that sentence I do agree with. They would deny it if confronted with their behavior. While it's happening, the, the former part of this sentence here is what I don't agree with. While it's happening, family members are totally unaware of what they are doing. I don't agree with that. Reason being is because when we're talking about a dysfunctional family headed by a narcissist or a close to be personality, they are emotionally bullied. They are emotionally manipulated into being flying monkeys, enablers, and joining in on abusing or mistreating and even traumatizing the family member who has been chosen as scapegoat. This is again why I say you have your typical dysfunctional family and then you have your dysfunctional family headed by a narcissist or cluster personality. The reason why I don't agree with this particular point or the former part of that sentence is because we're talking about a dysfunctional family headed by a narcissist or a cluster personality. That particular point would not apply. That's my opinion. But if we're talking about a dysfunctional family that is not headed by a narcissist and is not headed by a cluster personality, then I would totally agree with that entire sentence that while it's happening, family members are, not, are totally unaware. Yes, I would agree with that. Even as far as them denying it, if they were confronted with their behavior, the contrast is so subtle between your typical dysfunctional family without the narcissist in it, and then your dysfunctional family with the narcissist in it is different. It's very different. The contrast is there, yet is very subtle. And often scapegoating begins in childhood and continues into that last sentence. I, I agree with often scapegoating begins in childhood and continues into and throughout adulthood. This is, I totally agree with that. Regardless if there's a, a narcissist that's in the family or, or not in the dysfunctional family, pardon me. Uh, I do agree with that because this is a behavioral pattern. Dysfunctional families, one of the things that they have in common, there's a, a lot of things they have in common, but one of the main things that they have in common is that their dysfunctional behavior goes on into the next generation and so on and so on and so on until someone in the family or certain family members wake up and they realize, oh my goodness, this is not why I'm here on this planet. This is not my purpose for being here. In other words, to pass on a dysfunctional family legacy. That's not my purpose. I'm, you know, the person is not saying that they're better than their family. 
they just woke up and they realized, hey, this is not why I'm here. This is not part of my uh, purpose for being here on the planet. And some people do wake up, obviously, because we hear the testimonies of people leaving these types of dysfunctional families because they have awakened and they realize that it's not part of their purpose to pass on a dysfunctional family legacy. There's behavioral patterns here that are very dysfunctional. And when you get families together and they're all living together, you know, and I'm not saying this is bad. Yes, that is what a family is. People growing together, people doing things together, people having similar ideas and so on and so forth. Yes, that is your family. However, when it is riddled and overshadowed with dysfunctional behavior and dysfunction of all kinds, like drug addiction, alcoholism, so on and so forth. See, when that overshadows the family, then, yeah, then you're talking about a family that has dysfunctional behavior patterns that absolutely can ruin lives, but yet is passed on from one generation to the next. So when people get together, when a group gets together, first of all, that means that they are in agreement via ideas, perception, energy, spirit, emotional IQ, they're in agreement. That means they see eye to eye. That means they're in resonance with each other. So they relate with each other, not just physically, but non-verbally, spiritually. Their ideas tend to be the same. They just have the same or similar outlook on life. So a particular group, any group you want to think of, a corporate group, a religious group, a spiritual group, a social group, whatever that group may be. But here we're talking about a family group. Okay, so they ha- they tend to share the same perception and ideas. They tend to have the same type of, uh, or similar type of spiritual body or energy body. Their energy fields. Their energy fields tend to complement one another, not repel The scapegoat in a dysfunctional family headed by the narcissist and cluster personality usually has the type of energy body and or spirit that repels, repels against the narcissist in particular. This is often why the narcissist gets busy after selecting a particular child as scapegoat with getting the other family members to side with him or her. This way, the cluster personality has the supply And not only that, they get to sit back and watch the scapegoated family member struggle alone as they realize that they don't have anyone in their families. So this is a systematic way of outcasting that particular family member. It's pretty hideous, in my opinion. But again, we're talking about the typical dysfunctional family versus the dysfunctional family headed by a narcissist or cluster personality. I don't think that family members don't necessarily know what they're doing. The narcissist absolutely knows what he or she is doing. Let's make that clear. However, when it comes to the other family members that are being emotionally manipulated and or bullied by the narcissist to become either an enabler 
or a flying monkey, then one may say, well, maybe they really don't know everything they're doing. Well, I say it can go either way. Some enablers and some flying monkeys, they do begin to see the writing on the wall, yet they go along with the narcissist anyway. This has been testified over and over. There's a lot of testimonies out here about that. People who have gone through this. Some family members, like I said, they have, they have awakened. They have seen the writing on the wall, yet they go along with the narcissist anyway because the fence looks greener on that side. Rather, if they went against the narcissist, they don't see that as being promising. So they join the narcissist because they look at it as more beneficial to him or her. Pardon me. They look at it as more beneficial. So rather than standing up to the narcissist and saying, hey, you know, this is wrong. They go along with the narcissist because they benefit from it. This is another reason why I say I don't think that those family members always do not know what they're doing. So while all that's going on, some family members don't know until later on when the scapegoat is no longer around. Then they wake up and then they realize what has been, what has been happening in their family. But while the scapegoat is available and while the scapegoat is being uh, mistreated by him or her, not just the narcissist, but this could be a sibling, this can be a cousin, this can be a, 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 the other parent, it can be a grandparent, you know, aunts, uncles. Later on, later on, they may wake up and they may see, oh my goodness, I was a part of something horrible. They may say or think something like, well, I remember when the narcissist would say certain things about that particular scapegoated family member and so on and so on. But I went with it because it was believable at that time. But now that the scapegoat is no longer around, I can see a little bit more clearly. This is something that those who have been scapegoated in their families realize is that after they're no longer available, some family members wake up, some of them. However, some of them still do not wake up even after the scapegoated family member is no longer available. Okay, narcissistic personality disorder. Let's go ahead and take a look at that. See what DSM-5 says about it. And I'll go over some of it. Let's, uh, you know what, I'm, I want to point this out. I want to point this out right here. Impairments in interpersonal functioning. Now, I'm going to explain why I pointed this out in a minute, but let me go ahead and read it. Empathy. Impaired ability to recognize or identify with feelings and needs of others. Excessively attuned to reaction of others or reactions of others, but only if perceived as relevant to self and or underestimate of own effect on others. Intimacy. Relationships largely superficial and exist to serve self-esteem. Regulation. Constrained by little genuine interest in others. Experiences and predominance of a need for personal gain. Pathological personality traits in the following domain. Antagonism. Characterized by grandiosity. Feelings of entitlement, either overt or covert. Now, the reason why I pointed these two out, these impairments here, which describe 
in the DSM-5, the narcissistic personality, is because, again, in the typical dysfunctional family headed by someone who is abusive, you're not going to find this. But in a dysfunctional family, whereas there's a cluster personality or a narcissistic personality, you're going to find this. This is what makes the dysfunctional family a little bit more hideous. There's your typical dysfunctional family, and then there's your dysfunctional family headed by the narcissist or cluster personality. The abuse will be a little bit more hideous simply because of some of these impairments right here. So when you have a person who is heading a household, they don't have a personality disorder such as a cluster B or a narcissistic personality, then he or she will abuse their family members. However, the methods to their abusive behavior is not going to be to the extreme as that of a narcissist or cluster personality. Because we have heard, well... I'm going to go ahead and say, I think some of us have heard of, or maybe we know somebody who has been a part of a dysfunctional family growing up. However, family members, they woke up, they realized, you know, their behavior was dysfunctional and that family began to heal together. In other words, there was a change. It may have been gradual. It may have taken some time, but there were some changes and everybody benefited. The group started to grow together. Rarely will you find that in a dysfunctional family that's headed by a narcissist or cluster personality. My opinion is because the cluster personality and the narcissist that's heading their dysfunctional family, they tend to bully other family members into submitting or supplying him or her. Okay, so let's take a look at the impairments again. Interpersonal functioning. They don't empathize with others. They don't deeply connect to others. There's not any intimacy. So you take that kind of person who's bullying other people in their family, or their dysfunctional family, then you can see why this is a very little slim chance to none that that family will heal together, yet alone grow together. Nobody is really going to see the light. The only way certain family members are going to grow and heal and overcome being in a dysfunctional family headed by a narcissist is they have to leave. They have to go no contact. This is why I shared that article with you all. Because that article was talking about how some family members who were scapegoated in a dysfunctional family, they decided to go no contact. They decided to leave. That's very difficult to do. Again, when you see a dysfunctional family headed by a narcissist or cluster personality, it is a slim chance to none, in my opinion, that they're going to grow together and that they will heal together. Because that means people will have to look at the fact that there's a dysfunctional behavior pattern that's very destructive. They have to face that fact. That family is now growing together. They are healing now. In a dysfunctional family headed by a narcissist, it is slim chance to none that would ever happen. I have mentioned the contrast of your dysfunctional family and your dysfunctional family headed by the narcissist or cluster personality. 
it is so subtle. That contrast is very subtle. When you take a look at the narcissist and what constitutes them having a personality disorder, then it becomes very clear. It is no longer, the contrast is no longer as subtle as it was before. This is one of the reasons why I think this really escapes a lot of therapists and those who are counseling families who are dysfunctional. If that dysfunctional family is headed by a narcissist, this is exactly why that contrast is so subtle and it escapes them. He or she is not going to pass on the dysfunctional family legacy. And when you put all that together, then you can clearly see why a particular family member, I'm not condoning this, I'm just saying from the eyes of the narcissist and the cousin personality, you can begin to see why he or she may have selected a particular family member to scapegoat because they saw certain things in that family member that spoke to them and said, okay, this family member is a threat. This family member is a threat because the legacy, the narcissist may say something like this, the legacy I want to leave behind will serve me and this particular family member is getting in the way of that. And this, this is often a child. I know that sounds ridiculous. It's often a child. They tend to select a particular child in the dysfunctional family that is a threat to the false self-image of the narcissist. There's a lot of reasons, but I started to look at different reasons of why that child may be a threat to that particular narcissist's false self-image. The narcissist has false self-images such as being a god. It's always something grandiose, something that does not reflect reality. The narcissist and the cosmic personality has an image of themselves in their heads or in their psyches that does not match reality.